0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Today, we're launching a new series. Um, Here at Central, we're not, we don't do like, uh, like on Father's Day, we don't talk about dads. And on Mother's Day, we don't talk about moms. And on... Presidents Day. We don't talk about presidents. We just talk about Jesus all the time. And so we're launching a new series today. So if you came today hoping for me to highlight all the mothers of the Bible, I'm sorry. Um, Sorry to disappoint you. But we're going to launch a brand new series this morning. I'm really, really excited about that we're calling How to Neighbor. Is that what it's called? Yeah, How to Neighbor. And um, I I said it and I was like, that didn't sound right. But that's right. Um, How to Neighbor. And so essentially what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at how to be the church. Rather than coming to church, We want to look at how to be the church, take it with us where we go, and make it who we are rather than something that we just do and somewhere that we go. And so um, one of the main things that I think people take for granted, one of the major things that kind of slips under the radar, so many people take it for granted, you know what it is? It's neighbors. It's neighbors. And you don't realize that until you don't have neighbors. I have only lived in one situation my entire adult life where I had neighbors. So when my wife and I got married, we moved to Georgia. And uh, I was a youth pastor down in uh, the the northeast corner of Georgia, up in the mountains, right off the Appalachian Trail. It's absolutely beautiful. But they shut the whole town down when they got a Walmart. And so that was just too small for me. I was like, I'm dying a little bit every single day that I live here. So we had to leave. Um, But in Georgia, we found this apartment that was on top of like a -a two-and-a-half-car garage, So it was like next door to a house, but it was a a a two-and-a-half-car garage, and they took the upstairs and made it like a one-bedroom living quarters, like a one-bedroom apartment. So my wife and I, it was 400 bucks a month. We're like, yeah, can't beat that. We're doing it. We had no kids. We were all about it. And so we lived above this garage, and we were like in the middle of nowhere. This place had like all kinds of land, and it was super cool, super scary for me, the city boy. At night, I was like, we're up here. What if someone comes? We have no way to call for help. Um just a telltale sign I don't belong in Northeast Georgia. Um, but we were living up there, and the guy who lived in the house was literally like 104 years old, like literally. And he still drove a car. He, went, he was the pre- <laughs> This is awesome to me. He was the president of the Senior Center, and he had been the president of the Senior Center for like 30 years, <laughs> which is awesome. Like I don't think they had term limits on the president of the Senior Center for obvious reasons. Um, it just seemed to always take care of itself. But not this guy. His name was Mr. Schmidt, and Mr. Schmidt was literally like 104 years old, and uh, so we literally never saw him. We heard the garage door open every day at like 8, and we heard it open again every day at like 2 when he came back from the senior center, and that was it. And so we didn't really have neighbors there, and then when we moved out of that living situation, my wife became a resident director at a dorm, a college dorm. You know how you got like the dorm mom? Uh, So my wife was that at an all-female dorm. So we lived in like the apartment apartment, on the first floor of an all-girls college dorm um, at the university there in uh, in our city. And so I had to actually use a special entry just to get into our house, and I was never allowed to leave our apartment once we were in our apartment for obvious reasons. We're living in an all-girls dorm. Um, And so we didn't have neighbors there either. We didn't have anybody to talk to when we're cutting the grass or anything like that. That never happened. And then we moved up here to Michigan to uh, start a church, and we... Uh, so many of you have heard the miraculous story, we got to stay in this like parsonage that a church owned for free and everything, but it was in Clinton Township, and that was the only place in our adult life that we've had neighbors, and we were actually scared of our neighbors. It was an interesting situation. We had this guy who lived next door, and before we met him, he was mowing his grass with his shirt off, and he had like tattoos from like his neck to below where his pants were. I don't know where they ended. I don't care, but they were everywhere, and they weren't just like tattoos. They were like biker gang tattoos. Like this dude had seen some thangs. You know what I mean? And so this dude, he had like this giant howling wolf at the moon on his back and everything. And he had all these Harley dudes coming over. And so after we got to meet him, actually, come to find out he got kicked in the head with a steel-toed boot, which gave him vertigo, so he couldn't ride his bike anymore. So he took up gardening. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And so we had these, like, Harleys pulling into, our, into his driveway all hours of the day and night, and he had this beautiful sunflower garden in his backyard, and uh, he built, like, a gazebo. And then he would come over and knock on our door, and we'd be like, oh, my God, he's here. What does he want? And um, he shows up, and he was super into crocheting as well, um, interestingly enough. So you can see why we were so terrified of this guy. It wasn't the tattoos. It was everything else. Um, and he would, like, knit us scarves and, and winter hats for our kids, and we were like, thanks, man. I'm terrified of you. (laughs) Um, And so we had neighbors there, but then for the past six years, we've lived in the house next door where our neighbors are an empty field and this church. And so we haven't had neighbors in our adult life, and neighbors are such an awesome opportunity. Neighbors are such an awesome opportunity because think about it. Your home is like your home base for your entire life, right? That's like your resting place. That's your meeting grounds. That's where you hang out. It's where you spend a lot of time and all this stuff. And if you really kind of step back and think about it, just 50 feet from to your right or to your left from your living room, 50 to 100 feet, someone else is doing the same thing. That's their home base. That's their safe space. That's where they rest. That's where they spend their time. And like 150 feet, 250 feet in front of you, typically, if you live in the city, unless you're rich and you live somewhere else, someone's doing the same thing across the street. And behind you, someone's doing the same thing. And so there's such an opportunity that people have their home base, the heart of their family and of their life in just such close proximity to you. But for, let's be honest, most of us see our neighbors as like the biggest burden in our life. Can can I get an amen on that? Because it's just like, it's more of a headache than a blessing. We see it more of like a, oh man, they're going to do that. Oh, they parked in front of my house again. Oh, their dog is barking again. Right? And we see it as a burden more than a blessing or an opportunity, but what we're going to do for, the ne- for today and the next three weeks is we're going to spend some time looking at this idea of how to neighbor. And I'm not necessarily going to focus on the people living in exact proximity to you. Like, I'm not talking about we're going to spend three weeks on how to be best friends with the person that lives next to you. Like, that's, that's not really the focus. The focus, when we're talking about how to neighbor, is how to live in community and harmony with the people that are doing life with you. Maybe that's at work, maybe that's at school, maybe that is the people that live right next door to you or across the street from you and in proximity to you, but how do we do life together with people? And so at the very bedrock of this, at the very foundation, we've used this terminology in a few different uh, series and a few different ideas, but I want to translate it to these discussions as well. I want us to remember that we are not good neighbors because of who they are. We're good neighbors because of who we are. Have you guys heard that sort of phrasing before? We've used it around here a lot. In this series, I want us to realize that we're not good neighbors because of who they are. Not because of their merit, not because of what they've done, not because of what they look like or who they are. We are good neighbors because of who we are. And so today, what I want to do is I want to lay a foundation. And I want to talk about perspective. Our perspective to be a good neighbor, what our perspective needs to be, how we need to shift our perspective and align it with Christ. And then next week, we're going to look at protocol. I, I made this all Ps, so it'll be easy to remember. Next week is protocol. And we're going to look at the protocol to be a good neighbor is, is taking up this mantle of service and bridge building, not necessarily building walls, but building bridges. And so then the following week, we're going to talk about our position, And that's where we're going to talk about justice and mercy and grace and how it's not about who we stand, it's not about where we stand on things, but it's who we stand with that's important. And then in the final week, we're going to look at practicality and we're going to have some tangible takeaways, ways that we can put this into practice into our lives and how we can become the best neighbors that we can possibly be. We can like make Mr. Rogers super, super proud, okay? So let's pray together and then we'll jump right into this. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the time that we got to spend in worship together. I thank you for the time that we got to spend to celebrate and just honor the mothers that are here today. God, I pray as we open your word and we look at ways that it can make our lives better and make us better at life, that we would be receptive to your truth. God, I pray that you would open us up, that you would soften our hearts and you would open our minds. It would be open for your Holy Spirit to speak to us today to teach us today, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. God, we make ourselves available to you. We pray that you would do work in us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So perspective. Perspective is what we're talking about today, and perspective is so huge. Perspective is so key. It absolutely shapes our life. Our perspective does. Our perspective frames our reactions, Our perspective on a situation really frames on how we react to that situation. Our perspective fuels our ambitions. Our perspective is is huge. Do we view things as a glass half empty or do we view things as a glass half full? You know, that really shapes how we respond and operate in every area of life. We were talking in house church last week um, and Quinn shared that he was on A flight, and he watched some like, what's the guy's name? Tony Robbins or Tony Robinson or some inspirational speaker guy. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? What's his name? Robbins, okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. Quinn was like very moved by one of the things that this guy said about perspective. And he was saying, like, you know, people get on here and, and, and they complain about their parents and how their parents let them down so much, right? And their parents didn't do this and their parents didn't do that. And their parents, you know, dropped the ball here and their parents dropped the ball there. And Quinn was saying it was very revolutionary for him to kind of shift his thinking and say, well, wait a second. Yeah, my parents didn't do this, that, and the other exactly perfect. But what they did do is they shaped me in the process. And so though they dropped the ball in certain areas, it made me strong and resilient in those areas. Nothing about the situation changed. The only thing that changed is your perspective and how you think about the situation. Do you look at it as a victim and say, man, my parents really didn't help me out very much? Or do you look at it and say, well, what my parents did do is build a confidence in me. They built a resilience, a drive, a grit, a grind in me, and I'm going to take that and use it. And so Quinn was very, very... um, you know, moved by that and shared it with our house church and it was a great discussion that we had about perspective. Are we we pissed off about how terrible they were or are we thankful for how they shaped us? It's all about a matter of perspective. And so somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, our perspective as Christ followers has gotten way off track. Somewhere along the way, by and large as a whole, as the church as a whole, not central church, but the church globally, our perspective has gotten way off track. And you know how you can tell? Ask someone who's not a Christ follower, ask someone who's not a believer, what comes to mind when they think of Christians? That's a hard conversation to have. If you can find someone that's really going to be honest with you, that's a hard conversation to have because what comes to mind, the typical response, is judgmental. That's typically the response. Or, or close minded right? Or ultra-conservative, or boring, or lame, depending on the vernacular that they use to describe these things. Or maybe catching up with culture rather than creating culture. By and large, that's the kind of perception that people have of Christ followers. Irrelevant. That's a big one. So somehow our perspective has gotten off which many of us we don't explicitly say that we're involved in church. I know many of us in this room even we don't say we go to church. We don't tell people which church we go to because we don't want to be lumped into that category. Because deep down we realize that that's how people view Christ followers. That's how people view the church. That's how people view Christians. And if you don't think that, it probably means that you don't have a lot of friends that are not Christians. Because that's the reality of it. The perspective of the church has gotten so off track because what's the saddest thing about this is many of those things are true. Many of those preconceived ideas that people have about Christianity and Christians and church people, they're true. And I know it's kind of a gut punch and it kind of hurts and it's like, Sam, it's Mother's Day. Talk about rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. But this is the reality, guys. Somewhere along the way, our perspective as Christ followers has gotten way off track. Somewhere along the way, we've become really, 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 really crappy neighbors. Somewhere along the way, the church has become really, really, really crappy neighbors. Our perspective has shifted and we've gotten off track. Check out what Jesus says is most important. This is super interesting. Check out what Jesus says when he's asked, what's the most important thing? What matters the absolute most? Check out what he says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Check this out. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He says, That's the most important thing. Love God with everything that you are, with your mind, your body, your soul, your heart. Love God. And he says, the second is this. Some translations say, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. They say, Hey Jesus, what's what's the top dog? What's the most important thing? He says, Love God with everything that you are. And love your neighbor with everything that you are. That's the most important thing. Hey Jesus, what's the most important thing? Oh, it's church attendance for sure. Church attendance. That's what I would have thought growing up. I'm I'm there Sunday morning. I'm there early on Sunday afternoons for choir practice, missing the third and fourth quarter of the Lions game every single Sunday. Yes, I'm still bitter, and it's 20-something years later. Yes. And then we're there Sunday night for service. Then we're there after service for the pastor's meeting, of course. We're there early Wednesday night for choir practice, and then we're there for Wednesday Bible study, and then Wednesday family training hour. Oh, my gosh, we're there a lot. And then we're there for every single What's the most important thing, Jesus? Church attendance. Or maybe paying our tithes and offering. If you go to a local church nowadays, you would probably think that. Paying your tithes and offering is the most important thing. Or what about memorizing the Bible? That's the most important thing. You gotta memorize the Bible. Hide the word of the Lord in your heart so it will not, you know, you can use it. It's your sword in battle, baby. You gotta memorize the Bible. That's the most important thing. Or how about only listening to Christian music? Anybody go to like a a CD burning party when they were in middle school or early high school? You had to like break all your secular CDs and throw them in the fire? No, am I the only one that was raised in a Pentecostal cult? Okay, other people were too. Perfect, I love it. So listening to only Christian music, that's the most important thing. Or not having sex before marriage. That was a big one. I told you guys, every time I left the house in high school, my mom would say, love you, Samuel, be like Jesus, flee fornication. Thanks, mom. Appreciate that one. Good looking out. Good looking out. Or maybe, maybe it's not abusing alcohol. That's the most important thing. No alcohol. Alcohol equals death, hell, sin, Satan. He's going to come out of the ground with a pitchfork and stab you if you drink alcohol. Right? That's the most important thing. Or don't use drugs. Or not going to I'm saying a lot of nots, aren't I? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do... Hmm. Interesting. Not going to see R-rated movies. Only dating other Christians. Now you know you can't be it just can't be unequally yoked. Hallelujah. Maybe that's the most important thing or not believing in the lies of science, because everyone knows science is not real. Maybe it's defending the literal seven-day creation. That's the most important thing. No, listen, this is the way that it went down, and I'm ready to fight to the death about it, even on Facebook, baby. Or maybe it's saying, you know, defending the tenets of the faith. That's the most important. you got to have sound doctrine, hallelujah. Or maybe evangelism is the most important thing in the whole wide world. Or proselytization, we got to save souls, baby. Salvation for Jesus, got to save these lost souls. Or sound doctrine, or, or identifying and holding accountable sin, Ooh, we gotta get sin under wraps, man. We gotta keep people iron sharpening iron. We're taking care of that sin that people have in their lives, hallelujah. Of course not. Of course not. Jesus doesn't say that's the most important stuff. And even as I say it, you guys are laughing because you're like, no, of course that's not the most important stuff. But many of us live like these are the answers that Jesus gave. Many of us live like those are the most important things. But when they ask Jesus flat out, he says, plain and simple, clear as day, love God with everything that you are. That's the most important thing. You know what else is the most important thing? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything that you are and love people with everything that you are. That's what's most important. You want to notice something that's interesting? Interesting. The worse people are, the worse, people off, the worse off people were in scriptures, the more they were attracted to the ministry of Jesus. The worse of, 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 of far off center that they were, the more marginalized, the, the worse off they were in sin, the people who were the furthest from God, they were the most attracted to Jesus. They would travel miles just to touch his cloak as he passes by, just to be in the same place as him. They would go to great lengths. Why is that not the case at the church? Why do people feel like they can't come to church unless they get their act right? You know why? It's because our perspective is off. It's because we're focusing on the wrong things. We're teaching the wrong things. We're preaching the wrong things. We're living the wrong things if we're not aligned with what Christ says here because that's the most important thing. I would suggest that it's because our perspective is off. Jesus tells us explicitly what our perspective should be love. That should be our guiding perspective in everything. Love God with everything that you are and love people with everything that you are. Any perspective that's different than that is the wrong perspective, flat out. And I know that's drawing a line in the sand and I don't like to draw lines in the sand, but that's the reality of it. Any perspective that's not love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself is the wrong perspective. Because Jesus says, plain and simple, that's the absolute most important thing. You want to know how to be a good neighbor? You want to know how to neighbor? You want to know how to be the church? Love God with everything that you are, and love people with everything that you are. When I say people, I don't mean people who look like you, think like you, dress like you, vote like you, uh, go to the same church as you, have the same dogmatic, systematic beliefs as you, hold the same doctrines to be true as you. I'm talking people across the board, people. Love people like God loves people. Love God with all that you are. Love people with all that you are. Every single person that you encounter. Whether they're a Christian, whether they're an atheist, whether they're an agnostic, whether they're a Muslim, whether they're a Jew, whether they're a Protestant. Yes, we'll even say whether the, if they're Catholics, gotta love them too. Just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> everyone. Love everyone like Jesus loves everyone. God loves everyone, whether they're married or they're single. Whether they're dating or engaged, whether they have kids, whether they don't have kids, whether they're gay or whether they're straight. Love. That's our perspective. Because that's the perspective of God. That's the perspective of Christ. You love God and you love people. Even when they don't look like you, think like you, dress like you, talk like you, act like you. You love Everyone, whether they're black or white or tan or orange or green or purple or blue with polka dots, you love them. Even though they don't look like you, think like you, talk like you, act like you, your perspective, the foundation, the bedrock of everything that you are, the most important thing, love God, love people. Whether they're young or they're old, they're heavy or they're slim, they're Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal, you love them. Because that's the perspective that Christ calls us to. It's the foundation of everything. Whether they're rich or they're poor, they're extroverted or they're introverted, they're super reserved or they're super crazy and they stress you out just looking at them. I stress a lot of people out. People just watching me, they get stressed out. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, your responsibility, your obligation, your duty, your perspective is to love. Being a good neighbor is making our perspective Love, and that will shape everything else. Everything else we talk about for the next three weeks is built on this foundation. Some of you are like, sweet, not coming back until week four. And that's fine. If that's your case, you probably don't want to come back at all. A lot of churches you can go to, where they'll teach you what you want to hear. Um, But our perspective needs to be love across the board, plain and simple. And here's the deal. If you're already thinking in your head and combating back to this, well, Sam, Scripture says we got to hold people accountable and their sin, and what about hellfire and brimstone? If that's your automatic response to this, that's a telltale sign that you ain't got the first part down yet. If your automatic response is, well, what is about this and what about that, and you want to fight back on this, that's the first sign to show you and tell you emphatically that you ain't got the first part down right yet. That you're not loving God with all that you are and you're not loving people with all that you are. Because when you're loving people with all that you are, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. Not even the second, third, or fourth thing that comes to mind. I love my kids with all that I am. I don't walk around all day thinking, ooh, well, I gotta shape them and I gotta spank them and I gotta guide them and I gotta correct them and I gotta show them what is and what ain't and I gotta, no, I love them. I love the crap out of them. I wanna hug them and kiss them and love on them all the time. That should be our perspective for humanity. That's what Jesus is talking about. When he's saying you should love the Lord your God with all that you are, everything that you are. You should love God with everything. And the second is like it. You should do the same thing for people. You should love people with everything that you are. Because when you love people, when you have that perspective, it changes everything about who you are the way you interact with them, the way you talk to them, the way you respond to them, the way that you help them, the way that you view them, the way that you talk to them. Everything is transformed if your perspective is absolute and total love for them. It changes everything. You're not going to go pick it at weddings. You're not going to go pick it in front of abortion clinics. You're not going to go pick it in anywhere. You're not going to pick it because your first perspective is love. If anything, your heart's going to break for people because of the love that you have for them. You're not going to be judgmental. You're not going to be hateful. You're not going to say, well, that's not right. They need to get with Jesus. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. (laughs) It's not the way it's going to come out. That's not the way you're going to live life if you're truly loving people. And that's the most important thing, plain and simple. The guy literally comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing? He goes, hey, here's a billboard. Here's the most important thing. But we try to make so many other things the most important, and it's not. Everything else should fall in line underneath the umbrella that you need to love God with all that you are, and you need to love people with all that you are. And that's how you neighbor. That's how you be a good neighbor. That's how you be the church. More than just a building, you love people, and you love God with everything that you are. And so maybe you're in here this morning, and you're thinking, yeah, I've heard that before, Sam. Real nice, real cute, awesome. And maybe you've heard it and you said, you know what? Yes. And you've allowed it to change your life and it's totally changed your perspective. Maybe it's wrecking you on the inside currently. Maybe it's a journey that you're on. I'm personally on this journey currently. I'm reading some books and doing some studies and stuff. And it's like taking my insides and like turning it into like mushy spaghetti. Like I am all torn up on the inside and wrestling with all this stuff because it's like, wait a second. I've been thinking a certain way my whole life, I've been doing this Christian thing my whole life. A certain way. But, but 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 you're saying this trumps all of that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm learning. And it's crazy. And it's hard. And it's difficult. Because we're people of routine. And we think we got it figured out. And we just don't. I don't have it figured out. I'm still figuring this stuff out too. But I do know that there's a giant billboard that Jesus hangs up and says, Hey, guys, this is the most important thing. And if you do this... The rest of the stuff is going to work itself out. But this is the most important. So maybe you're in here this morning and you've heard this, but you're not living this. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you need this morning to just get messed up on the inside. Maybe you need to let the Holy Spirit come in and clean house. Maybe you need to let the Holy Spirit come in and shake things up. Because the perspective of outsiders, of Christians, is not off base. Many of us find ourselves in the exact uh, you know, declaration that they make about us. And so some of us, we need some change. We need to realize that there's a problem and that we've been doing this thing wrong. And that love is the foundation. Love is the bedrock. Love is is the umbrella over the top. And love is everywhere in between. That's the most important thing. And so if you're in here this morning, what we want to do is we want to carve out some time so that you can do business with God. Because I'm hoping and I'm praying that the seeds that are sown this morning will really seriously mess you up, that you'll listen to this and say, oh, my goodness. If you're struggling with this right now, it means God's probably trying to do something in your heart and in your life right now. If you're saying, oh, but he's just missing this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. blah. If that's going on in your internal dialogue, you need to hit the pause button, and you need to step back and say, God, what are you trying to do here? Maybe this guy on stage with his pants rolled up is an idiot. He forgot his socks, so obviously he's not that smart. Maybe that's your take, and if that's your take, God bless you, and I hope you find a church that loves you and cares for you. But if you're willing to step back and say, God, what are you trying to do here? I believe that God can do something really, really awesome in our hearts. God can do something really, really awesome in our lives. and That God can really shift our perspective to be a perspective of love. Because when our perspective is love, that's when we're best reflecting Jesus. That's when we're best reflecting God to the That's how to be a good neighbor. That's being the church. That's living it out. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to carve out some time for you to do business with God. Maybe you need to come to God and say, God, dude, I am so sorry. I'm such a jerk. I've had to have that conversation so many times with God. I'm like, God, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. He's like, yeah, I know, Sam. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Maybe that's the conversation you need to have. Maybe this morning you need to have the conversation saying, God, I get that, and I've been trying, but I need some help it's sticky and it's hard, but I'm trying. Please, encourage me. Continue to lead me, guide me, and direct me. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, shoot, I'm doing exactly what he says. I love everybody. Mr. Rogers is taking notes from me. And if that's you, amen, hallelujah, I want to be your friend. I want to hang out and learn from you because that's awesome. And Maybe you just need to spend this time praying for others and saying, God, help others to see this. Help others to get on board with this because it's life-changing we can shift our perspective to love God with all that we are and love people with all that we are that's the way God designed it to be that's what Jesus says is the most important thing and so I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to do business with God as we respond to him this morning let's pray together God I thank you so much for today I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to do business with us to do work in us God, I pray this morning, if we're holding on to sacred cows or we're holding on to anything that's tripping us up to being totally open and obedient to you, I pray that you would remove those roadblocks and barriers. God, I pray for those of us in this room that are dealing with some of that bondage, that are dealing with some of that shame, that are dealing with some of that stuff that we just can't let go. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom to see that and strength and courage to let it go and to let you take control and take charge. God, I pray this morning that you would give us a new mind and new eyes to see and a new heart to feel the love that you have for humanity. I pray that as we love you, you would teach us to love others the same way you did and the same way you do. Your word says that you so love the world that you send your only son a sacrifice for us. You loved the world so much. God, help us to receive that love but also to reflect that love. God, as we draw near to you, I pray that you would draw near to us and do business, that you would mess us up on the inside. Mess us up so that we can more powerfully and intentionally follow you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.